Welcome to episode 29 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversation with Sycamore trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to sycamore.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. This week, I'm having a conversation with Rocio Galarza, Vice President of the U.S. Social Impact Department at Sesame Workshop. In this role, she manages the development of educational content and research for a wide range of multimedia projects. As an expert in early childhood educational development and the needs of young children, she works with advisors to ensure that the content of Sesame Street's outreach initiatives is age-appropriate, appealing, and effective in motivating families to use their everyday routines as learning moments for young children. You can find out more about Rocio by taking a look at her bio in our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with her and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. So Sesame Street has done a lot of great work in addressing the needs of military families in a, a wide range of topics. To start off with, I'm interested in hearing how you're personally involved in sort of the development or the dissemination of military-specific programming and why it's important to you. Mm-hmm. Sesame Workshop has had an initiative that is really core to our social impact work, and that has been with military families. And this initiative started 15 years ago. This is our anniversary year, so we're very proud of it. And throughout the years, we've learned so much from all military families that have participated. And I have had the privilege of meeting these families as I help develop some of the content for the initiative and now help develop some partnerships with our team. I I can't say that it's me. After 15 years, there are many people involved in this initiative that have learned a lot from the military community. And that's it's really interesting, this 15 years. So that was really at the beginning of when we saw many of the service members coming back from the early years of Iraq and Afghanistan. We didn't anticipate that this was going to be a 20-year operation, so to speak. And so at the beginning of that 15 years, like you said, you've learned quite a bit from the length of time that we've had during these operations. Absolutely. And we did start with materials related to deployments because that was the biggest challenge that military families were facing when we started this initiative. And throughout the years, experts and military families themselves would tell us, thank you for helping us with deployments. Now they're deploying multiple times. We need help when they come back. We need help now They later on when they come back because there's some injuries related to having been deployed. Then they told us for some unfortunate group, a smaller group, thank goodness, we need help with grief. We need help with relocation. We need help with the needs kept coming up. And at some point, actually, they told us, you've addressed a lot of needs and that's great, but let's celebrate our strengths because we have many. 
And so there was a period of time within those 15 years that, that there was a lot of talk about their resilience and how to build on that wonderful resilience that military families throughout the years had developed. And so all of these different topics have come from the ground, have come from military families, and they've taught us and really in, helped us not only create materials for them, but to understand what the word resilience means, how to help children if they're going through a grief situation beyond the military. So this Sesame Street for Military Families has been such a pillar because it's not only the materials that we've created for, for the community, which have in themselves been an incredible experience for all of us, but it's also learning from military families to help the wider community, which I think, of course, it's typical that's going to be the case because anything related to military families is about service and about helping others. And like that's part of, of the community. So it's been quite a, an amazing 15 years. And I think that there's so much more to learn. No, and I really appreciate, one, that responsiveness, right? We're not just going to do this one thing that we're actually going to staying within the realm of education, obviously using the materials that Sesame Workshop has, expanding to meet those needs but also meeting those needs in a, a unique situation. Again, from earlier situations, Vietnam and the Gulf War, there wasn't the repeated deployments and things like that. But before we started recording, we were talking about both of my kids who were in college. But when I started to deploy, they were in kindergarten. When I stopped deploying, they were approaching high school. That's a significant number of different stages that mm -hmm. children go through in Sesame Workshop is really, I think, uniquely situated to be able to respond to some of the uncomfortable conversations. Absolutely. And it's been, now it's multiple generations of children because we start very early that we've been able to understand and to, and to provide tools for families to cope with different situations. And even going back to some of the materials, we've been able to go back to the materials that we, let's say, develop for injuries. And most recently they told us that was helpful for rehabilitation. But now let's talk about caregiving. Let's talk about when those injuries will continue to affect the family's life and how children are going to be involved in, in, in those everyday changes and how can we help them? How can we, how can we help the family really work together? So even the topics that we had addressed before, they continue to, to evolve and we continue to evolve with the families, providing the tools that they tell us are, are most needed at different times. And I think that's really critical, again, that, that measure of responsiveness. I think when many people think about it, and maybe perhaps of, of my generation growing up with Sesame Street in the 70s and 80s, that we really think just about the TV program, just what's on television. And maybe, and like you said, in these last 15 years, we think about maybe the live action productions or some of the DVDs for military installations and communities, but that's really just part of the resources that are available for military families. Yes, they, they did start with a kit and a DVD. And of course, not many people are using DVDs anymore. So we even have changed the type of media that we provide because the media landscape has changed. And, you know, at some point it was only app form because that's the most prevalent. And then little by little, because we have so much content, it became a website, it became a destination. And around also that the content, which is the website system Street for military families, we also did all sorts of other in-person events and moments. Families could explore some of these topics and, and these areas with the characters. You know, we had a USO tour many years ago. We had when the, the injuries face was mm -hmm. the one where we even had a co comfy spaces in hospitals so that children could have a place that felt like 
you know, they were they, they were visible while they were waiting for the their parent to be in rehabilitation. So we've had not only the website, which of course is there now and has everything that we've developed throughout the years, but we've also had other experiences with military families. And all of this has been very enriching in in again understanding from the ground what people, what parents in particular, and what kids need. Because if you're not on the ground, you don't understand what those needs are. You don't understand those experiences. And I think that that as we move forward and, and as we see how the context of military families continues to change, we've also noticed how the changes that are happening within this country and changes that are happening beyond affect military families. And I think this new push of content is addressing that, is around military families and racial justice, because we know that this is based on the events that, that have happened this past year and experiences and, and really anecdotes that military families have told us that this is something that they want to address and that they just need the tools to address it. And again, I think that the way that Sesame Workshop does this in a in a comprehensive way, in, in, in a, a very deliberate way, but like a non-threatening way, I recall again at a point when my kids were young, when you started introducing characters that were like the military kids who who were military i think you call them service monsters that that was one of the key things that you did was to be able to have military kids say look there's somebody there or someone who looks like me that's able to communicate on my level yes and and we continue to do that i, I many people know that elmo's dad is in the military Rosita's dad is a veteran. And we also introduced at one point in the tour, a new character called Katie, who's also her parents are in the military. In the Even in the actual show, we do have a character in the show, a little girl whose parents are veterans as well. So, you know, like I think that throughout the, the, the years, we've been able to represent a lot of military families, explore some of their challenges, but also celebrate with our monsters in what all of the strengths and all of of the resilience that, that comes with experiencing these challenges and being able to overcome difficulties. But we also have to remember that even though these challenges might be very big, we're talking now racism, and we used to talk deployments, grief, and these are very big topics that children cannot control some of these huge issues. We have to bring it back to their preschoolers. What language and what representation is actually going to help this little child that has big thoughts? Just because they're preschoolers doesn't mean that they don't have big thoughts or that they don't understand complexities. But how can you bring it down to their experiences to really represent what the child's perspective is on this big situation? And that is really our strength and our point of view. Let's go back to what the children experience. Let's go back to what the child the child might need in different situations. And let's, let's bring that to the forefront. But that's also supporting the parents or the caregivers. If maybe you have a dual military family and grandparents are caring for these little people with these very big thoughts and emotions, but it's really providing relief to those that are caring for the little ones, because we may not know how to help them we have the big emotions and thoughts ourselves and we're going through it. And that's one way that you provide support for the families of the children. 
Yes, absolutely. And I think I think it's okay for us not to have all the answers and to know everything. And I think that's part of what makes the resources authentic, that we have families telling us what they have done. We have experts telling us this might help. And then families can take these seeds of ideas and these suggestions and apply what's most useful for them with the understanding of what we know is appropriate for preschoolers, is developmentally appropriate for preschoolers, which I know is something that as parents, and I know I, I, I struggle with this even, to really understand in these situations what is appropriate for my child based on what we know he or she can understand and can experience. And that is a concern. And when we know, oh, this is their mindset, this is where they are, it's, we feel more comfortable, even in these very difficult situations, to talk, to have a conversation, because we, we know that we're not harming them. We're actually helping them in a safe way. Absolutely. I think when I talk to my colleagues who are working with children and military families, a lot of adults have a maybe a tendency to talk to children like they're tiny adults. And, and it's really a, a different sort of stage. But it doesn't mean that we don't have to talk about some of the significant issues you brought up earlier about some of the programming and some of the resources you have coming out about racial justice and social issues with military families. Can you tell us a little bit more about the racial justice series coming out or maybe some of the other resources that are on the website? Yes, of course. And and that is a, a prime example of how do we go back to what children might be experiencing and really focus on that. And when it comes to military families, they do have a very unique opportunity to tackle some of race and racism because they are a population that is very diverse. In fact, what they were te- been telling us is a lot of these families are families of color and their children are multiracial. And so there is a lot of diversity within the military community. Also, children are traveling a lot within the U.S., beyond internationally, and they are exposed to a lot of diversity in their daily lives. And so this is a great opportunity for them to explore some of these differences in an age-appropriate way and celebrate them, as well as understand that sometimes things are not fair when it comes to, to people understanding what these differences are and treating each other in particular ways. The world is not colorblind. We know that. We know even that children are not colorblind. There's research around how infants notice differences and have preferences. So it's very important for us to start having these conversations. And military families have the strength of being in a diverse community that these conversations really can be part of of the children's everyday experience. But when it comes to racism, it can be tough, right? It can be tough and, and we have to address that, that the experiences of unfairness or watching someone not being treated fairly because of the color of their skin or where they're from, their cultural background, is not an easy thing to either watch or experience as a family or, or for children to experience themselves. And this is something that this has come up as a theme a number of different times that as the military goes, so goes our nation. And if we can address these topics in this very diverse, but maybe contained community, then we can actually do some more things in the outside community. Yes, very, very similar to what we had talked about, that we are learning from military families and a lot of the the learnings actually can apply beyond. And one thing that we know and we've learned from military families is that their purpose is to serve, as I mentioned earlier. And that service makes them great, what we're calling for young kids, upstanders, the people that help others or takes action when they see others being treated unfairly. 
take take action for themselves or for others. And the military families, they are, they have that value within them, that value of service, that value of helping others. And so it's how do we turn that impulse, right, that military families have and that, that pride that children have in to help others when there are these type of situations. We know that children at this age, and they want to explore differences. We know the children in identity. We know that they also want to explore the concept of fairness. That's why sometimes you hear them a lot saying, that's not fair, right? That's very child-centered, that concept. And so, and in addition to all of that, we know that military kids, because that's part of what they learn from within their community. So it makes them really kind of an ideal situation for them to learn about some of these skills of standing up for others in an age-appropriate way and really be able to practice it with others. At the same time, we they're young kids, and so they also need to know that it's not their responsibility to fix everything. We've, all, we've established that military families do go through a lot of challenges. And so it's how do we give the tools to the adults too, so that they can be there for kids and they want to, and they're trying. And I can tell you that because we do focus groups and parents are trying to have these conversations, are trying to help their children. They know that these challenges are happening, but what we need to motivate is children feeling completely comfortable to go back to trusted adults, their parents and beyond, and let them know when experiences that are related to racism are happening so that adults can really help and facilitate these discussions. And it doesn't have to be, some of these experiences might not be with bad intentions, right? Children are learning and they will make mistakes. And and the idea here is really to turn them around so that we can make them into learning moments. We can help military families see that some of these differences or, or conflicts that come up because of these differences can actually be used for good if we all are together in the learning from the conflict. And it's starting at a really early age. It's providing a base of understanding at a point in which they're probably most receptive. But then there's that idea of also supporting the parents. Once we have children, our lives change. Perhaps Mm -hmm. we go back to a faith community or we start to nutrition becomes different and things like that. And so as we start to address these topics and the children and the parents are receptive, it can be really a way to change culture. Hopefully that's part of it. Right now we're focusing on the, on the children and, and the children as catalysts within their own world to see, to learn about kindness, fairness, and respect. But hopefully we, we can, through our children, have different ways of looking at different situations. I personally, and I can talk personally, I learn as much from my kids as they learn from me. And I think these are the situations where we can really learn from our children what how they see things. When we talk about upstandership, one thing, and you mentioned support for families, when we talk about upstandership, it's important for us to understand that there is the help or being there for others, but it's also being there for ourselves. And there is this concept and importance of self-care that comes with being there for ourselves, that it is particularly important for the parent to model so that the child know what it looks like to take care of myself. And that's part of funny, that's part of racial justice. Self-care is a racial uh, justice strategy because it is that modeling can help the young kids manage their emotions when conflict arises, when they don't understand something or when they're going through a difficult time. So that is included as part of, of the materials because we do feel like it's not only support in terms of how we talk to our children, but also how we model 
the taking care of ourselves in these situations. Yeah, no, I think that's excellent. And I really appreciate the great work that Sesame Workshop is doing. So if people wanted to find out more about Sesame Street for Military Families and the resources you have, how could they do that? The main website for all of these transitions that we've talked about in terms of uh, relocation, injuries, and, and, and such, it is Sesame Street for Military Families. For our initiative related to racism, Sesame Street in Communities, actually, because it's part of a bigger initiative called Coming Together for Sesame Workshop, Sesame Street in Communities is the hub for everything racial justice. And there will be a section that is specifically for military families, but there's more resources that are coming in at different points. And we've had already two pushes of content. This is our third. And we will continue to update because it's an ongoing conversation. For Sesame Street, in communities, you'll see a lot of of materials that are added because we know that as things change or as we learn more from families, they will need more resources. Absolutely. And I'll make sure that both of those links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining the show today, Rustio. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. One of the things that I'd like to highlight is how the support for service members, veterans, and their families has had to evolve over the past 20 years. As Rocio mentioned in the interview, Sesame Workshop started their military family program around the mid-2000s, at which point the military was beginning to realize that the conflict in Iraq at that time was going to be an ongoing effort rather than a simple deploy and return effort as other conflicts and operations had been for decades. Not only that, the conflicts resulted in heavy casualties. The other comparable long-term operations since Vietnam had been peacekeeping missions such as Bosnia and Kosovo. As the conflicts continued, it was necessary to recognize that how we needed to support this current generation of combat veterans is different than how we supported previous era combat veterans. According to a survey by the RAND Corporation, between September 11, 2001 and 2015, over 2.7 million service members deployed over 5.4 million times. Some of those deployed one time, but it's not uncommon for service members of this era to have three or four deployments. Many of the military special operations service members had deployments numbering in the double digits. Traumatic brain injury and catastrophically wounded, ill, and injured service members also increased during this time. Improvements in protective vehicles and equipment and advances in battlefield medicine means that injuries that would have been previously fatal are now survivable, but at a great physical cost. Advances in neuroscience and the assessment and treatment of trauma and stressor-related disorders have also helped us understand more about how to care for those who experience this time of conflict, and greater focus is also being made on the families of the service member, in this case, their children. It's great to see that Sesame Workshop has continued to support military families and adapted to their changing needs over the past 15 years. The other thing that I'd like to point out is Sesame Workshop's intentional focus on listening to service member and veteran families and developing this program for children. The importance of the voice of lived experience in developing programs cannot be understated. If we're trying to meet the needs of homeless veterans, for example, we have to hear from veterans who have actually experienced homelessness. Same in developing employment programs, suicide prevention, caregiving, justice involvement, substance abuse, or any other concern that is impacting the military and veteran community. It is imperative to listen to the voice of those who have gone through the problem that's being solved. Without it, the programs that are being developed are simply academic exercises that could be completely ineffective or, even worse, actively harmful to those that we're trying to help. 
It's also great to hear that Sesame Workshop has listened to the voices of those parents trying to help their children navigate these challenging situations. For this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to highlight another resource that supports military children, the PsychArmor Courses for K-12 educators who support military kids. If you're an educator, do you have a military child in your classroom? Do you want to create a classroom that can support the unique needs of military children as they manage transitions due to frequent moves? These free courses are for educators who support military-connected school-aged children. These courses are available for any educator who teaches military-connected kids. In order to ensure that their courses are relevant, PsychArmor works with nationally recognized subject matter experts to create and deliver online courses about the issues that teachers need to know. These courses guide educators to identify unique aspects of military life, especially as military children transition to new schools. Teachers can take these courses to find ways to navigate the unique challenges to enrich these students in the new classroom. You can see a link to these courses in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmor.org forward slash BTM29, as well as on the PsychArmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.